mountains, that's great. I know in California, rain drives us crazy. Earthquakes, not a big deal. You know, minor issue. It's amazing what we deal with and what we don't. So today we're going to continue with our understanding of what it means to be a disciple and how that plays out in real life. So let's open with a word of prayer and ask God to give us direction, all right? Father, today we come to you and we ask that you might clarify to us how we can be clearly seen as who we are, your children, those who follow after you and follow after your son. And we would ask that today that you'll help us to understand why we need to be involved in loving one another and how we can do it. Guide our conversation, Lord. Allow us to hear the things that you want us to hear and those things that we're not supposed to uh, bring some deafness to us. Thank you as you guide us in that way, Lord. Let your blessing be here in a special way. Holy Spirit, anoint us, direct us, and do what only you can do. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your uh, Bible app, you can turn to that and you'll have an outline there you can fall through. And it's got all the blanks filled in, so I'm giving you the cheat sheet there. Otherwise, you have an outline in your bulletin, you can take out that and you can follow with it. Those of you that still do paper. So I got to be frank, I actually use the Bible app now. I go through that whole thing. Although we did discover today that it said our service starts at 8 a.m. We had a couple of wonderful ladies that were here from Atlanta, Georgia, and they were here. They got here early and they're with us and so they, they were here worshiping with the team as they did their beginning stuff, which is a lot of fun by the way. If you get here earlier, you can find, you get your own band. It's like, wow, I get my own band for like 30 minutes. It's, it truly is a remarkable time. I encourage you just for the, for the fun of it sometime, choose to come down and find a seat and you'll go, wow. This is, this is wonderful how God speaks to us in that quietness uh, through a variety of songs that have been written in such a way to encourage our souls to respond uh, to God. So with those thoughts in mind, today we want to talk about what does it mean to be a disciple, to be one who follows God, who loves God, who loves one another, his church, and who loves our neighbor. When we talk about loving one another and this, this concept of gathering together in groups, we're talking about three primary ideas. And that's it, the TTT, I call it there. We're about teaching, we're about training, and we're about touching. Okay? Teaching, training, and touching. And in small groups, that's what takes place in an effective, vibrant small group. It's a group of people who learn to love one another in reality. Not with this fantasy where I can turn to all of you here and say, I love you, I love you all very much. The truth is, some of you I love a lot, and others of you, I don't even know. So I could say, I would love you if I knew you. Maybe. (laughs) Hopefully, that I would have that ability. But the reality is, when we're together in a small group setting, we get to know one another in special ways, and we discover our strengths, our weaknesses. We learn to accept one another. We learn to interact with one another. And through that process, the Holy Spirit ties us together in remarkable ways. To the place where, as I can tell you now, I was just sharing with a friend just the other day who I hadn't seen for 10 years. And we were instantly bound together. The Holy Spirit just kind of, it was amazing. And I saw, I was, I was reminded again how that bond that you make in those groups will continue into eternity, into eternity. 
and you see parts of it now as you uh, get older. Some of you aren't old enough yet to experience that, but people that uh, we've known, uh, Mary and I started discipleship with some 30 years ago, and they're close friends, and yet now they're in, they, they were in California while we were in Minnesota, and now they're in Colorado, and, and we still interact. It's remarkable what God has done and what he wants to continue to do in our lives as we submit to him and get involved in relationships one with another. So small groups are a way in which we get involved in relationships with one another and we learn how to grow and develop and discover God's directive in our life and we become what Jesus refers to as disciples, those who truly love one another. When we talk about loving one another, Jesus said, uh, you're to go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and then I'm with you wherever you go, however you go. In the midst of this process of loving one another, we recognize there are guidelines that God wants to give us within the scriptures so that the group structure can work effectively. I'm going to touch on each of those areas as we walk through this today, but we have to understand something. The first purpose in life Jesus taught us is to love God. That's your first purpose in life, is to learn who God is, to know him, and to love him. And then the second purpose in life is to love your brothers and your sisters around you, to learn how to love them, to know them, and to love them. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, how that comes into play. Now, Paul talked to Timothy and he said this, the goal of our instruction, the reason that we're teaching you these things is that you might be able to love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. The goal, that's that's what we're headed towards this Pure or cleansed heart. The word is catharsis, as we get the word in here, catharos. And it's, it's the concept or idea of a heart that has been thoroughly cleaned. It's not a replaced heart so much as it is a thoroughly cleansed, thoroughly clean heart so that when you respond to another person, it's without dirt. It's without falseness. It's without anything that would hinder that relationship. We teach about Jesus so that you can give and receive love from a cleansed heart. Well, how do we do that? I, I was always told, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to love one another. And for me, I, I'm a, I go, okay, well, what does that mean? We all have different ideas of love. I could break down for you the Greek word love and say, oh, here's all different ways the word love is used. We struggle with this idea. Well, what does it mean to truly, in reality, love one another. Uh, today I want to give you a, some displays of that love. How do we display love? Because he said you can see it. Jesus said you'll know they're my disciples because you'll see their love one for another. So you can see this love in physical, active ways. You'll say, oh yeah, they love each other. I know. Not because they're touchy-feely. That could be part of it. They hug one another. That's wonderful. They give great handshakes. Great. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. But there's specific displays of that love that we see and that we're able to recognize. What are those? Well, I think the first display of love that I bring out, by the way, there are far more than what I'm going to bring out here, but I'm going to bring out some that I think stand out. And that is that they, they affirm each other's worth. When you love someone, you affirm their worth. So in, in groups that God has called us together, what happens is we affirm one another in those groups. Whenever I come into a small group and I see people that are not affirming one another, I'm unhappy. Is that a good way to put it? I will get involved. 
um, when I came here to, to Lighthouse, when I first began, I remember going to a group and, and they were literally ripping on one another. And I was like, this was a leadership group. And I was, I was shocked. I was literally shocked. Ray's looking at me and said, oh, yeah, Lee. <laughs> I remember that. But he wasn't in that particular group. But I was like, is this really happening? Is this really happening here? And it, it was incredible. And I kind of stepped into it and said, stop that right now. And they looked at me like, what? I said, stop that. We're a group of people who are supposed to love one another. We don't do that. they like, we don't? No, we don't do that. Like, and I knew the next thing was, well, who do you think you are? <laughs> I'm going, well, in this case, I was the pastor who came down here to, to talk with people about the possibility of me coming into play here and becoming a, a prime leader within the church structure. And I said, this, isn't, this is wrong. I don't know how long you've been doing this, but this is wrong. That was difficult, by the way. People say, well, Pastor Lee, you're a confronter. No, I'm not. <laughs> I love people. I enjoy being with you. I enjoy being around you. I do not enjoy confronting people. Never have. I like to grow with people, to learn with people. I love to teach. I do not like confronting. But periodically, it becomes necessary. God has told us and directed us we're to affirm one another's worth. And if you haven't figured this out in life, Everyone's looking for affirmation. Have you noticed that? Look at the reality TV shows, the things people are willing to do to gain what they consider to be affirmation by others. But when we truly affirm other people, it shows that we love them. We're doing God's work in this world. We're representing God. And and God is this incredibly affirming and loving Father. And as we affirm and support and encourage one another, recognize special gifts and abilities and bring those things out in relationship to other people's lives, we are being a representative of God and showing what God is actually like. How do we affirm? Number one. Number one way we affirm is we show acceptance. We show acceptance for one another. Uh, Paul put it in Romans when he's talking to this particular church. He said, you need to accept one another just as Christ accepted you. And I go, well, well, how do I do that? How do I, I accept him? How do I accept myself? There's times, how many of you have had trouble accepting yourself at times? Yeah, I, sometimes I don't like me. I will literally walk away from a, an interaction with somebody and I'll go, did I just do that? And I have to go back and say, I'm sorry, I did not mean to display myself in that way. I'm so sorry, please forgive me. They go, Oh, it's okay. It's okay, Pastor Lee. We understand. I'm thinking, I'm glad you do. Because I don't. Where did that come from? And yet, we recognize that acceptance isn't just about recognizing strengths, but it's accepting the differences in others and the synthesis that's taking place in other people's lives. See, accepting somebody is recognizing these variety of differences that they have and how they are trying to come to the place where God is putting together this synthesis and they become the person that God desires for them to be so they can accomplish the task, the intention that he has for him in this world. And God has a purpose and intention for each one of us. A variety of them, by the way. Some of our struggles we tend when we look at others to measure and compare them. 
Are they good enough? Are they successful? I always said, am I successful? Well, how successful? In what way? There's no end to that. No matter how successful you are, someone else is more successful in a different manner. We begin to understand the question should be, am I fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God has set aside for me? And if I'm comfortable with that, I go, yes, I'm, I'm being successful in my life. Some of you are always on time. Okay? You're always on time. And the people that aren't on time, you kind of go, come on, man. Come on. Why aren't... And we have all the, we even talk about how rude it is. We have all these things. But the reality is, if you were in Africa, it wouldn't matter. You're caught up in an American thing. I'm just glad you all got here. Thanks for coming. Appreciate that. Some of you are cleanly nuts, you know. I mean, you really like things clean. And your house, I walk into your house and it's like, whoa, Sparkle City. It is gorgeous. Yeah. It is gorgeous. Yeah, I'm talking about Mark Lee. Her place is always gorgeous. Walking in, I go, wow. No, I don't, I'm not saying anyone else does this, but they, these people that are really, really clean freaks, I, I just got myself in trouble, so I realized I'm trying to work out of it. And the people that are really clean, and they come into your house, and they go, I feel better about myself. <laughs> See, we tend to push our strengths on others and to go away from our weaknesses because we struggle with accepting ourselves. And we falsely then begin to accept others on the basis of their strengths rather than their, and I like this term, by the way, when I get into their, their synthesis, the specialness that they are, the unique person they are that has a variety of strengths and weaknesses all put together that God is trying to use in a special, marvelous amazing way that snowflake thing each one of us is so different our dna is so different and god intended for that to be in that way or manner you see the scripture tells us the best way to bring affirmation and acceptance in our, our life is to learn and to accept the synthesis of strengths and weaknesses in other people's lives and when we choose not to look down on others, but instead to look into others, we begin to recognize how remarkable God's hand in creation is. That's why Paul was trying to talk to the Romans a little later. He said, why do you look down on other Christians? All of us are going to stand personally before the judgment seat of God. And at that point in time, when we stand before God... He's going to speak to us, and the question that's really going to be asked is, did you accomplish the purpose that I intended for you while you are here on earth? And if we were listening to him in life, we did. And he's going to say, well done. Well done. That's a great thing you did there. Paul was saying, God is our judge. We don't need anybody else to judge us. We need other people to help us develop and grow and the understanding of how God has chosen us and made us and put us together. It's never God looking down and accusing us. Who's the one who accuses? Jesus told us. Who's the one who accuses? Yeah. So why on earth 
Well, I'll put it this way. I remember John Maxwell was talking about the fact that he's working hard. San Diego church is growing like mad. And one of his elders came to him and said, you know, Pastor John, you need to take a vacation. You need to take some time off. And he turned to them and he said, Satan doesn't take any time off. And the elder turned to him, who was a very wise guy, said, I didn't know he was your role model. (laughs) Ow. (laughs) Needless to say, he took the time off. (laughs) And John quoted that one to me one time at a seminar that we were at. And uh, he said, man, I learned I better take some time off. He's trying to tell me what's going on in my life. Wow. And so what we want to say is, who's our role model? Okay, Who's our role model? Who are we supposed to be following after? We accept one another. We don't judge one another. We looked for this, this specialness in each person that we're interacting with. Let's, let's go to small groups. Each of you have somebody in your small group that drives you nuts. Don't look around. Okay. And you're like, Lord, I love my small group. Pretty much. And you're going, why? And I always say, why does that person drive me nuts? Why do they drive me nuts? Because there's something in them that is either similar to a problem I have or they have a strength that I don't have at all. And it irritates me. And the reality is that person is a person that God is saying, oh, I need you to get together with them so you can learn how to grow. You can help them grow and deal with their issue struggle and you can grow and deal with yours in the midst. They can help you and you can help them. It's an interesting dynamic that takes place with those particular people. Some of you desperately need to interact with some Democrats. I'm serious. And some of you need to interact with some Republicans. You need need to recognize they have a, a perspective that you don't have. And I'm totally serious. You have to get hold of this. And you're, you're going to go, oh my, I never looked at it that way before. I never understood it in that manner before. I oh. It will change who you are. And it will develop a synthesis in you that God wants you to have that's truly God-like. It's truly God-like. So... I'm not going to go too far down that road, but there you go. <laughs> you have to accept people as Jesus accepted them. To do that, we have to value these God-given differences and uniqueness. Paul says it in Corinthians. God works through different people in different ways. And the way you tell if you've accepted somebody is when you begin to rejoice in the fact that they're different. They're Different. I don't want to mold everybody into my image. For many of you guys, we think so much alike, most of us aren't needed. I need more people who stir me, who say, well, hey, what about... And I go, I didn't think of that. And that's God's intention for each one of us. God wants us all to be different and to help people discover who God made them to be, to recognize, to accept their uniqueness. And we put energy and effort into this relationship to discover their uniqueness 
not their likeness. Not where you are like me, but where you're different from me. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I like you. There you go. They go Some of you husband, oh, I, I, I like you. Yeah. I turned to my wife the other day and she said, she said, do you love me? I said, I not only love you, I like you. I really like being with you. You're unique. You stir me in so many ways. You send me stuff. You make you humble me. Wow. What can I say? The difference that God wants you to make in other people's lives can be truly remarkable. Another way you give affirmation is you give attention to somebody. You give attention to them. You know, you can accept people and then ignore them. I accept them. I just don't want to be around them. I know they're different. I just don't want to get into it. I go, okay. But we need to recognize that people are not clay to be molded by us. They're gifts to be unwrapped by God as we affirm their uniqueness. And the way we affirm their uniqueness is, first of all, to discover who they are. We have to give attention to them. Attention to them. It's far more than acceptance. Galatians 6.10 says, give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Special attentions. Why? Because God wants us to grow together. And when you pay attention to things, you grow. Have you noticed that? If you pay attention to your kids, they tend to grow. If you pay attention to your garden, it tends to grow. Pay attention to your marriage, it begins to grow. Pay attention to your appetite. Yeah. I see you're like me there, yeah. When you pay attention to people, you're saying you're important. Your thoughts matter. Your ideas matter. Your lives matter. They're valuable. I don't text while I'm talking to them. Yeah, anybody say, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. Good to talk to you today. How are things going? Oh, good. I'm really glad. I go, seriously? Paying attention means focus, eye to eye. How you doing? Stop. I'll stop you guys periodically and say, how are you doing? You're kind of fine. Like, no, come here, come here. How are you doing? Not so good. What's up? I don't think I want to talk about it right now. I go, okay, that's fair. Let me just pray for you real quick. We focus, we pay attention to somebody. Uh, when I do that to people, they'll come back to me months later and say, do you remember when? I'll go, kind of, sort of. <laughs> that was so affirming. So this week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look for opportunities to pay attention to some people in your life. Who do I need to pay attention to? Lord, right now be thinking, Lord, who do you want me to pay attention to? You know, maybe somebody in your small group, maybe somebody in another thing. But who do I need to pay attention to? Now with that thought in mind, we've got a special small, small group that's starting up. It's called Starting Point. And it's all about paying attention to one another and about listening to what God has to say to each other. So let's watch this special clip that gets us introduced, and then Nelson's going to come up, and they're going to share a little bit about this special group called Starting Point. Let's be honest. Conversations about faith are usually... Nelson's! 
Okay, tell us a little bit about this starting point, how you got involved in it, and why you're doing this. I love asking questions. True. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> Liz would say that I'm an information junkie. Probably spend more time finding out info than I do paying attention. But sometimes it's just for knowledge's sake that I love asking questions, and other times it's stuff that I might want to use. And I think with faith, it's a mix of both, knowledge as well as what we might want to use. You know, we live in a world that's uh, less and less accepting of our faith. And some of those folks might ask us questions. And starting point is a discussion about how they may be asking those questions. And even if we've had faith for a long time, it might be nice to know how they, what they're thinking and answer some of those questions ahead of us. I mean, ask, answer some of those questions for ourselves ahead of when they ask. So um, we've kind of been talking lately about being the light in our community. Mm-hmm. I think Starting Point is uh, a way to plug in so that we know how to be more of a light to ourselves and to others. Okay, so what you can expect is to have a conversation before we go through a video-based training with Andy Stanley from North Point Church in Georgia. I hear we have some Georgia people here. Um, so what you'll do is you'll come in, we'll have a little conversation, we'll watch a video, and then we'll continue the conversation. So why starting point? And I can just give you my own personal testimony. I had the opportunity to be in Georgia visiting a friend who took us to North Point Church with them. And guess what? The, the very first time I was exposed to Andy Stanley was this very first lesson from starting point. And for me, I've been going to church all my life, very faithful. But guess what? I had no clue what I was doing and what it was all about. So through this, through this um, video-based series, I started hearing things in ways I'd never heard them before. Hmm. Andy has a, quite a way to entertain. Um, he's a little bit ADHD, not going to lie. Um, but the way he said things just really spoke to me. And as an adult, I finally got the connection that I needed to hear to not only learn more about the Bible, but also to understand my relationship with God. So for us, for me, it's really kind of close to my heart, and we love bringing it to other people. Um, So ask us about it after church. We'll be standing right out in the lobby. You'll see the big S and the P. It means starting point. Mm. So come and see us. If you are involved in a small group right now, there's a good chance your group is going to go through starting point this year. If you're not involved in a, currently involved in a small group, we invite you to join us for eight weeks um, on Wednesdays starting February 1st. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, John. Thanks. Appreciate it, Liz. All right. So some ways in which we affirm one another. And we talked about giving attention to one another, accepting one another. And then uh, perhaps lastly, the way we do this is by declaring appreciation for one another. We're in Orange County and we recognize that everything that appreciates means it grows in value. So my home appreciated by a large amount of money, it increased in value. And anything you pay attention to tends to appreciate or increase in value. The scripture says, brothers and sisters, appreciate those who work hard among you, who lead you in the Lord and teach you. And so my question, when was the last time you thanked Children's church people who over across the street for uh, taking care of these kids and being involved in that week after week. And they choose to give up their time and effort. And if you haven't done that, you need to appreciate them. Perhaps there's someone you need to share with today and appreciate them. 
uh, maybe you share with the ushers how you appreciate them and the greeters. They come in here and we pay them a large amount of money. We double the amount every year. So just so you know that and zero times zero equals zero. But they do it because they love God and they want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. So you may want to walk up to them and say, you know, I appreciate you taking care of that. These musicians, they come up here week after week and share their special gifts with you. Share with them that you appreciate them. Okay? Now, you don't need to tell me you appreciate me. Except those of you who are afraid I'm going to hug you. Okay? You do need to share that you appreciate me and then I will give you a hug. And you'll go, oh, Pastor Lee. Yeah, it's good for you. It's a good thing for you to get a hold on that. Um, I should share a little bit with you. I've been here almost 15 years now. And as you all know, my time here at Lighthouse is yeah, quickly coming to the end. So we have a few months left as the Lord continues to uh, take care of Mary and I here. But we concluded and had a lot of work and effort that it was, that it was time and that we needed to encourage our younger pastor to, to come into play here and I felt clearly the Lord was calling him to give leadership and direction to our church and um, so many of you have encouraged me 15 years man you've, put, you've paid me for 15 years I get paid well you know I, I, I like my I remember my professor at, uh, at seminary and he said the thing that amazed me was that people were willing to pay me for something I would have done for free. Some of you are thinking, well, <laughs> I would have. I love teaching. I love encouraging people and guiding them. I love leading people in a better awareness of how God can work in their lives. And I get paid for it. You guys choose to pay me to take care of my needs. Thank you so much. And it's been great. And I love each of you that I know. Those of you I know more, I love more. Uh, because I've seen the specialists of God in each one of you. And I've watched that over the last 15 years. Here's so many different people that I've been able to interact with and see their specialness, their uniqueness, and watch how God works in them and in their marriages and their families. What a great thing it's been to be there. So thank you so much for showing your appreciation to me over and over and over. And it's happened so much. Uh, it kills me to leave here as, as the time comes, but it's something the Lord has clearly directed us that that time is coming. So you're just getting a little awareness. Okay, We've already shared this a little bit before. It's going to continue on, but it's a good thing. It's a great thing as God is directing Mary and myself and uh, into the heat. We are moving to Arizona. So we'll be moving there uh, in about six months or so, five months. Time is rapidly approaching. And the Lord has put together some things for us there. And so everyone asked me, well, what are you going to do when you get there? I don't know yet. Yeah, I'm going to play. I will be playing some golf. Um, I will do that. And as my son says, yeah, Dad, that's for about a week. Then what? Because he knows me well. And I go, I have no idea what God's going to do. We're just looking forward to seeing what's going to happen and how it's going to take place and what the ministry is that he's calling us to there. We just know that he's uniquely called us and put us into place there. Never had this happen to me before. I'm a planner. I'm a lay things out ahead. I've been in ministry since I married my wife some uh, 40 years ago and have never had a break 
The longest break I've ever had is two weeks in between ministries. Never, it's just never desired to. It just always worked that way. You just kind of, oh yes, here's the next place God has for you. I have no idea this time what's going on. I'm going, Lord, this is not fair. But he has an intentional plan, and so I'm looking forward to finding out what it is. So, now I've shared with you some things I need to. Thank you so much for appreciating me. I appreciate you so much, and thank you for affirming me in my life. Let's continue on with some thoughts we have there. We talk about this issue. How do we display one, love one for another? We affirm one another. We also pray for one another. And this is what I'm going to do with you. What we're going to do right now is in, in Colossians, Paul talks about a man by the name of Epaphras. And he says, he always is praying for you that you will grow to be spiritually mature. Now, many of us, people will come up and say, um, I'll pray for you. How many of you do that? Yeah, you say, somebody says, I'll, say, I'll pray for you. How many of you actually pray for them? Good job. See, our struggle is oftentimes we say, I'll pray for you, but then we don't do it. If you're smart, I'm going to give you a little trick here because I use this trick. When I say, I'll pray for you, I pray right then. Either I'll pray for you right then, put my arm around you and pray for you, or when you walk away, I will pray for you right then. Because I don't want to forget, and I know that my memory Oftentimes, we go into other areas. So I will pray for you right then. But today, we want to pray in relationship to spiritual maturity. See, our tendency, I think, is to pray for you have a healing you need, or you have a a special financial need, or you have an issue at hand, uh, a daughter, a son. And so you say, will you pray for me along that end? And we recognize we should be praying on that end. However, the Bible, when it speaks to us about prayer over and over again, it speaks about developing in spiritual maturity. So what we're going to do is we're going to flip up a scripture here. We're going to read it together, and then I'm going to pray for you in that prayer that it tells us to pray for. And you all, I want you to pray at the same time silently for someone that comes to your mind that has that particular need. All right? So let's put up our, next, our first scripture here along this way. You should have that on there. Tell me it's there. It's not there. Seriously? I thought it was pretty clear that we put each one down. I thought I even saw it. Bingo. There it is. Okay. Read that with me. I pray that you'll be able to feel and understand how long, wide, deep, and high Christ's love really is and to experience this love for yourself. Father, we come to you this morning and ask simply that you would grant us the ability, that you would embrace us and allow us the privilege of knowing how remarkable, how incredible, how complete your love is for us, that you accept each one of us totally, that you care about us and you want to use us in a special way, and that your love will never, ever leave. Lord, those that are missing this, allow them to feel it today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's do another one. Because there's a variety of them, you're going to see that in your outline. Let's go to the next, next verse that we should have up there. Hebrews 13, 21. I pray that you'll always be eager to do what is right. I call this the children's verse. Okay? Because this is what I've prayed for my children over and over and over. Lord, I pray that you'll help them to be eager to do what's right. Somebody in your mind? Let's pray. Father, we'd ask now that each person here and for people that we're bringing before you, 
would have that desire within them that they would be eager and excited about doing the right thing. Lord, place that in them right now. Thank you as you do that. Amen. Okay? Let's look at another one. Say, read it with me. You ready? I pray God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust in him. Who do you know that needs hope from God? Who needs joy and peace? Popped in your mind? Let's pray for them. Father, we pray for this particular person. I think of one right now. And I ask that you might grant them the ability to trust you. And that in the midst of that, in the midst of that trust, they'll begin to be flooded with joy and peace that only you can provide and that they'll recognize that it's from you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, I think we have one more. And this one's about maturity. Let's read it together. You ready? May God develop maturity in you so that you will all get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us. Ooh. Okay, you got somebody in mind on that one, right? Okay, let's pray. Father, we desire to grow in maturity, to grow in understanding, to grow in the ability to truly affirm one another. So we'd ask that you might grant us that special ability that only you can provide. Do it, Lord. Stir us up. Help us to become mature. In Jesus' name, we do pray these things, Father. Amen. So, the prayers were short. It didn't take very long to do that. And I find that Scripture, when it directs us to pray for one another, normally gives us short prayers to share. In fact, I would say, if anybody in your group is praying more than a couple sentences at a time, you need to give a group hug right then. Just run to them, everybody. Hug them. God loves you. It's so great. And they'll stop. They'll be going back to one-sentence prayers in no time at all. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you notice all these prayers have to do with relationships? Every one of them had to do with relationships, 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 responding one to another. Becoming mature. Mature is the ability uh, to get along with other people. So when I say, what, how do you know a mature person? I say, well, they get along with everybody. They're able to interact with a variety of people in a variety of areas without it being a problem. They've gained maturity. They're listening to people around them and responding to them appropriately. Just as God gets along with us, we learn to get along with one another. And that's the directive of Scripture. And if you're not doing this, then you need to grow maturity. You are immature. You are immature. As God develops maturity in us, we're able to get along one with another. In fact, more than that, we're able to encourage one another, to build up one another, to equip one another in a relationship with one another. So when we talk about these small group areas, we talked about the understanding and ability to affirm one another, 
And then we talk about the ability to pray for one another. Those are two key things that should be happening with people that you're interacting with. See, if I get to know you, I know that you begin to pray for me. I have been blessed in so many ways. And I found over and over the reason is because many of you pray for me on a regular basis. And some of you that have stopped, start it up again, please. God does remarkable things when his people pray. And I'm privileged because many of you choose to pray specifically for me. There's a third thing, though, that we need to have if we're going to be involved in small group structures that truly are meaningful and change our lives. And that's this. Here it is. It's three simple words. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. When I put it down here, we admit our mistakes. It's when we admit our weaknesses, our struggles, our difficulties, that we build unity and intimacy, that relationships are built rapidly, powerfully. Ephesians 4.25 says, Tell each other the truth, because we all belong to each other. Tell the truth about yourself and your fears and your failures and your doubts and your hang-ups. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say this. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Just tell the truth. It's not all bad. See, confessing to one another doesn't mean confess all your deep, dark sins. I usually won't want to know all those from you, all right? Hold back. There'll be a time. We may need to get there. But primarily, it means admitting what's going on in your life. You might say, you know, this is weird, Pastor Lee. I'm having some doubts about my faith today. I go, oh, man, that's a bummer. What's up? I don't know. I'm just struggling with it. Well, let me pray for you and ask God to get in the midst of that. But let me tell you the truth. Me too. Really? Do you have doubts about your faith? Yeah. I have to deal with it all the time. I have to read special things. I have to go. The more you know, the more you have to struggle with doubts. The more you have to dig deeper. The more the Lord calls you and says, check this out. Come on, Lee. I go, man, Lord, really? Or you may say, "Um, I'm worried about my job. Wow. Okay. I'm feeling a little lonely today. Or I have to admit something. I'm having a hard time forgetting that person. I just can't forgive them. Oh, I've heard that one quite a bit. I just can't forgive them. I said, okay, well, we need to. Let's talk more. Let's, let's, let's see if we can get a handle on that and get to the place we can pray and ask God to release you from that area. I don't know why, but I feel depressed. I'm discouraged. When you're honest about what's going on in your life and you don't blame others for it, when you're honest about what's going on in your life and you don't blame others for it, it draws you closer to people. And they're drawn closer to you. There's an intimacy that takes place. If we live in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Fellowship means real love. Fellowship is heart-to-heart awareness. It's this, I love you, not despite who you are, but because of who you are. I love who you are and your differences and your specialness. I love you. Wow. 
And I look forward to God's work in our lives. When we're in the light, we don't hide things. See, there's this myth. This myth is that if you're open about your fears, about your hang-ups, your imperfections, your secret faults, people are going to think badly about you. That's simply not true. Let me tell you something. I already know most of them. See, the people that care about us and they're part of life, they already know. They just love you enough that they're not going to beat you down with them. And so when you share with them, they go, wow, being honest with me, that is wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. Is there anything I can do to give encouragement there or things in that realm? See, that's what you need to, to think about. Um, we're honest with one another. We do away with deceitfulness and dishonesty. And emotional healing takes place in, in our life. Um, it's James who says, admit your faults to one another. Admit your faults to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. You see, an important thing that people don't understand is that there's a big difference in forgiveness and healing. We're forgiven when we come to God and we ask to forgive us. God forgives us. But oftentimes healing takes place after we share with one another and pray for one another. Then there's something happens, an emotional recognition, and we gain healing. God's wired the universe in such a way that emotional healing comes not from telling God. He already knows about it. It primarily comes from confessing to someone else whom God has drawn close to you. If you want confession, if you want forgiveness, you confess it to God. If you want healing, you let go of the pain. You want to get it behind you. You want to stop having to think about it. Then you need to tell someone that God has placed in your life specifically for that reason. It may be a small group. It may be individual. Whatever it is, you'll know. But God has wired you. You need to share that. And as you do that, you, you discover this fresh second start. Proverbs 28 says, Anyone who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses them and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Turn to the person next to you and say, you get another chance. Ah, some of you are going, uh-oh, I just gave him another chance. You do. It's a wonderful thing that God has given us. One of the most helpful things you can do in your small group is to help people forgive themselves. And God gives us this power to change when you bow before him, humble before him. He gives us a remarkable ability to change. He lifts us up. He changes us by his power. The grace of God grabs a hold of us and changes us. But when you continue to be proud and don't confess, then you are resisting God. And he's saying, I want to help you to change, but you're resisting me. You need humility. Worship team, come on up. Come on up, worship team, and lead us here in just a minute. So, God calls us to affirm one another. He calls us to be involved in the process of, of praying for one another. And then he calls us to admit the truth about each other, our weaknesses. And we get the privilege of watching him change us. And lastly, this is all done within the guidelines of Christ's teaching. So this Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message about Christ and all its riches fill your lives. Teach 
and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. With all the wisdom that he gives. I've shared with so many guys and so many small groups I've been in, so many various women, as we talk, we said the wonderful thing about our small group gatherings is that we're not here to talk about football or politics or what shoes we should wear or what clothes we should have or how we get our hair done. Or uh, It goes on and on and on. All these silly things we talk about, sometimes they're fine, they're just conversation. But we discuss things that have meaning and purpose and understanding. We get together and we say, hey, what is, what is this? It's the only time for many of us that it ever happens. We discuss things that are serious, that are important. But we're just too busy working and doing all our stuff to do that. In the small group settings, whatever one you're involved in, most of you are involved in one or another, those are times in which we speak the truth, in which we begin to investigate truth, in which we... Say, you know, God, speak to us within that. In the small groups that we set up here at the church, we try to ensure that there are guidelines within that so that you are moving in that direction to discover God's direction for you, His desires for you, and for you to gain a better comprehension of truth. So here we are. Let's spend the next five minutes or so. We're going to sing a song. As they sing it for us, we're not going to don't even sing the first song. I don't want you to sing it. I want you to pray and say, Lord, what are you asking of me today? And you may take your outline out. It's got some direction in that. And it says, here's some thoughts and ideas on it at the bottom. And you work through some of those thoughts. Uh, some of you may say, I'm just going to walk to the front and pray and talk with the Lord. And some of you may want someone to pray with you. And if you come up here, and, you know, I'll be here. And there's some other guys. You know, some of the elders that come around. As they see you, they'll just kind of come up and pray with you and encourage you along that end. You may stay where you're at. You may pray to the person next to you and talk with them. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But write down your prayer request. Set aside an offering. You get ready to do that. I said, I like to get my offering out of the way. Okay, good, Lord. I got that done. What is God saying to you today? Listen to the song. Let God speak to you. And then determine the decision today that he's directing you to make. And follow through with it. Okay, let's pray. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Lord, speak to us even as they say.